Well, at Refresh, we, we, I don't know, we're trying whether we should stand up here and speak or down there. Do you think I should go down or stay up? <laughs> we, we're trying up. So give us some feedback at the end if you think up is a bit far away in distance because when you're up, you feel really up. <laughs> and uh, sometimes, uh, yeah, kind of. I was at a conference last week and the speaker actually went and stood down and I was thinking, oh, no, stay up. So, yeah, just shows you that it's, it's different everywhere, isn't it? But um, as Michael said, I'm Sharon and I'm just um, really glad to be part of this community here at Refresh. And uh, if you're visiting us today or if you haven't been here for a while, then I'm just so glad that you're, you've come and you're here with us today. If you're somebody who is, if this is home for you, then um, we're just so glad to see you too. Uh, I always believe that God wants us to, to guard this space in our week. I always believe that this space and this time is extra special. And perhaps today's topic will even highlight that a little bit more. And when we create this commitment and this space, I really believe God speaks into our lives in important ways that helps us not only as an individual but a, in, as a family member, as a work colleague, as a uni friend and I believe that God has a little thought for you today, a little challenge, a little encouragement, a little inspiration. Recently I was somewhere and we were talking about what this space should look like and um, Somebody said it should be like a coach speaking to their team at half time. Now, I've been to a few of Jared's AFL games, and I sometimes don't want to be that coach when I hear what they are very um, enthusiastically saying uh, to them. Like, yeah, I won't go there, but you can imagine when they're not winning and they're feeling a bit flat or doing a bit, they're not playing like they should. There's pretty serious coaching going on. But I think in this space and time, it really is about inspiring and encouraging us, inspiring and encouraging us in our faith journey. So I just pray that right now in this space and in this time, whether you've been dragged along here this morning um, or you've come tired or you've come expectant, that, that God will speak into your life. Last week we had the privilege of finishing off a series, Servolution, and Joe, Gus and Kim um, shared their story and shared with us and inspired um, us a real life of serving. And um, in the series, I've been thinking a lot. It's been on my heart. God, what do you want me to do to serve? What do you want us as, as refresh, but me in particular? And this little thought keeps coming to me, and I'm an ideas person and not so good always at doing. So I thought, I'll share it with you because maybe there's a friend out there out here that might go, actually, I like that idea, Sharon, and you'll help me make it happen. <laughs> but um, I've really got this inspired idea to that refresh. And, and you, when you think of these things, the first thing we want to say is how, but we just have to say wow, because if it's a great idea and God's behind it, the how will happen, okay? So <laughs> um, that we prepare, refresh has a basket or a box of love that we give away every week. To somebody, uh, as we talked about in Servolution, no strings attached, extreme generosity. And, and as my weeks have gone on in the last two or three weeks, there's somebody who's popped up and said, oh, if I had that basket of love, I'd love to go drop it off at their house. 
or I'd love to go and give it to them. So the basket of love to me would be something with household items in it that, uh, you know, practical things like shampoo and toilet paper and um, things like that, cleaning detergents, some non-perishable food, maybe some fresh food as well, some treats, something beautiful, and then a Coles gift card that they could go and buy what they might need as a family or what works for them. And I just think, and a generous gift card, and just think, wouldn't it be nice if we could every week just go to that person and say, hey, this is just some refresh, it's just a basket of love, and leave it at that. So if you think that's a great idea, I've been thinking, can I ask some Kleenex and say, can you sponsor 52 packets of toilet paper? You know, and I've come up with all these ideas of how we could, how we could, um, we could make that a reality. So, but I just hope God's speaking into your life and that um, our Servolution series doesn't end last week, but it's just the start of where God wants to work through you in how we can serve through simple acts of kindness our community, our North Pine community, our local community. So today we start a new series and um, I thought it was important as we started today's topic that I bring the rest of your family along. Some of them you will have left at home, some you might still have with you, but um, I thought I would bring them along from, li- from little brother, uh, big brother to little brother. So, so here they are, they're coming in part of the family that you've left behind today. We have Big Brother TV. And uh, he's probably sitting somewhere in your house and his siblings. We have uh, next brother, the laptop and the computer. The next sister, the iPad and some fancy iPad pen so he can make it all happen. And... Praise God for Michael because he has all these devices tucked away. But I did bring mine, but I said to Michael, mine will be the old versions. He's like, I've got newer ones. And the smartphone. So now we have all the family here today with us, and, um, and that's helpful. So we have our TV, and we think about TV and, and what it's like today, and that one is a bit archaic. That one is sort of sitting in the backyard, uh, in the back room, not the backyard, in the back room, but it was, it was the one I could carry. Um, so we have, you know, cable and our Foxtel, we have our um, Netflix and we, some of us might still use DVD, uh, I do, I'm probably one of that generation that still haven't quite caught on with all the, you know, computer technology through the internet. Um, we use it for internet, we got a new TV recently and so now it's YouTube, you can watch it on that big screen and, um, even games can be played on the big screen, of course. Then we have our laptop. You think, well, what do we use that for? Well, a lot of us use it for work or uni. We use it for browsing the internet when we're going to go on a holiday or looking for something to buy. We use it to social media, um, I suppose, and gaming as well. And then we have the iPad, that little transportable thing that can probably do most of the other things as well. It's very similar. Maybe its unique thing is maybe reading an iBook when you're on holiday, easy to tuck away. And then we have the smartphone, which pretty much can do all of everything in this little space, that smartphone. Um, It can even do other things like 
Mark has, uh, he's linked up to our air conditioning and he can be out and tell the air conditioning to start so when we get home it's nice and hot or cold or whatever. So maybe you have something like that too. It's obviously used a lot for messenger and S SMSs. So in Australia, when we think about our screens and we think about what we have, they say, if I make sure this one goes, yep, yep, that in every house, there's about 6.2 screens in every single house. And what, whatever um, combination of these there might be. doesn't sound like a lot, actually. If you do a quick calculation in your house, I think some of you might have a few more than that. Um, but that's average. And so if we look at these little devices here, just have a quick picture of what it's like in Australia. So these little fellows, smartphones, there are 19 million of them in Australia. And in fact, that makes Australia the fourth highest nation in the world of percentage of the population who owns and one of these devices. Which um, comes interesting because I was reading up and there's a new phobia. It's called, I'm not sure exact pronunciation, but nomophobia, which means a phobia of not having your mobile phone with you. So. I don't know about you, but you know that moment where you're halfway to your destination and you've realised your phone is at home? Um, you don't know how that feels? It almost feels worse than not having your wallet, but at least the police won't uh, pull you up and fine you if you don't have your phone. But nonetheless, I think this causes more panic sometimes than not having your wallet with you. So 11% of Australians check this first thing in the morning. The very first thing they do is they'll check this device. That may be some of you. So one out of every 10 of us in this room or thereabouts, the first thing we'll do will be check this fellow. 12% of us, about the same, do the same as we go to bed. And 30% of the people check their phone in the middle of the night. Three out of every 10 will check it in the middle of the night have a guess what age group that might be. So that's particularly the age group of 18 to 24 year olds. And that doesn't include checking it for the time, that's usually checking it for social media. 4% of Australians read emails and do work in the middle of the night on this. They, if it pops, they pick it, they get it, and they actually respond. That's just a little picture of our smartphone. When it comes to social media, here's a few statistics I wrapped up um, that are recent. All of these are either 2017, 2018, I think there's one lot that was 2016. But Facebook is the big one. Facebook still, as much as uh, you younger generation think it's archaic, it is the leading social media platform still around the world. So <coughs> a lot of us are on Facebook and use it daily. YouTube's similar, and obviously, particularly in the younger generation, Instagram and Snapchat. Snapchat hasn't quite caught up yet, but um, it's getting there. Globally, two billion people on Facebook. One billion of those every single day. So it's one out of six, maybe-ish, in the world. Um, when it comes to Instagram and the other Social media platforms, these are in order from highest to lowest. The Snapchat comes in there. So when it comes to Netflix and our TVs, um, 
still broadcast TV is watched by 20 million. So Australia's population, 20, 27, 24, 24 to 5 in that space. Yeah, could be wrong. Um, a large percentage of us obviously watching TV each week. But Netflix is the growing thing, growing quite rapidly. So 7.5 million people have Netflix in their homes already. And the graph that I saw, it's just drawn really quickly. And when it comes to online gaming or using, using games, here's a few little things. So 90%, 97% of our children, um, they ha have computer games. That's, that's a really high percentage. Obviously, any smartphone, you can pick up any little game. So probably not rocket science, but it's so accessible. Um, talking about the screens and, the and what they use, 80% of game households have more than one game device. This is what I found interesting. When you think about who plays video games, we often point at the kids. But actually, statistically, adults play more than kids. I don't know if you realize that. And females and males actually aren't much different. And I think when we think about online gaming, we immediately go to those games that we think, oh, you don't want anyone to play. But they can be as innocent as, what's that, Candy Crush, um, that you get addicted to and play online. So this is any type of online gaming. So uh, interesting, as I said, the statistics um, are similar for males and females. And the other thing is that the elderly, so you'll see there 43% of those over 65, the older, shouldn't say elderly, play video games. Sorry for the young, the young at heart there, causing you awkward. Um, but use particularly for, they like to play games that stimulate their mind and keep their mind active. So, um, yeah. Average time spent, and as you see, males and females, there's a bit of difference, but it's not dramatic in that space. And as far as iPhone goes and, and, and the way that we use games on iPhones, and not everyone has this, but I thought this was an interesting graph. And this is American, so, um, yeah. Ooh, that's a bit small, isn't it? But um, this is use of, ga of, your, of games on the iPhone. And the biggest one, which has only arrived recently, is Fortnite, with 1.9 million um, people using it every day. And then it's Candy Crush, number two. <laughs> so, yeah, interesting. So the virtual world is actually, as much as it might sound weird, it's part of our family. It's part of our family. When it comes to technology, you might fall in one of these five categories. You might be an innovator. An innovator is somebody who, as soon as the next iPhone has even smelt to be released, you've already put your money down, and when it's hit Australian stores, you are lined up in the queue the night before waiting for it. Some of you will be those kind of people. Some of us are early adopters. They're not so keen on the crowd, so as soon as that crowd disperses, they'll be there, they'll be in getting that new piece of gadget. Or you might be an early majority. An early majority will be, well, when it's on sale or if it's at a really good price, I'll go in and I will get that latest gadget. You might be a late majority that says, well, I don't need the latest, but I'll wait 
until the new model comes out and I'll get last year's model because that's going to be a much better efficiency in my pocket cost. And it's been true, tested, you know, lots of people have used it now, they know all the bugs and yet it comes out pretty good. Or you might be a laggard and a laggard basically says, well, I don't really care, I just get a hand-me-down, it'll do, doesn't matter. So <laughs> that's me. <laughs> I get Mark's hand-me-downs. Um, so we're all into one of those spaces, but the reality is, is how does technology, how do devices... How does the virtual world collide with us? How does it collide with our families? And how does it uh, collide with our faith? We can't escape it. It's a reality. I could ask, does anyone not have one of these things in their home? Liar, liar, pants on fire. So they're there to stay. Well, we want to open up God's word this morning and we want to open up the Bible and just have a look at a passage and use this passage just to explore a few things on this topic this morning. So we're going to a part of the, the scripture that's in the New Testament, which is the second part of the Bible, in a letter to a group of people, a church in Ephesus, which is over in um, Europe, Greek, that particular area, and the writer Paul is writing to encourage the people there. And interestingly enough, in this part of the Bible, in a number of these um, little letters that are written, they're all about encouraging the church, encouraging believers, encouraging us in our faith. And we aren't unlike them. We also need encouragement. And although back then there were none of these, there were other things. And we can transpose these words into our today. So we're reading this from a translation called The Message today and it says, watch what God does and then do it. What God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved. His love was not cautious but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us but to give everything of, it, of himself to us. Love like that. You groped your way through that murk once, but no longer. You're out in the open now. The bright light of Christ makes your way plain. So no more stumbling around. Get on with it. The good, the right, the true, these are appropriate. Figure out what will please Christ and then do it. Don't waste your time on useless work, mere busyness, the barren pursuits of darkness. Expose these things for the sham they are. It's a scandal when people waste their lives. So watch your step. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. Don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Make sure you're, uh, you understand what the master wants. Sing songs from your heart to Christ. Sing praises over everything. Any excuse for a song to God the Father, in the name of our Master, Jesus Christ. When it comes to technology, when it comes to the virtual world, we take on a few assumptions. We're going to just have a look at three of those today. And the first assumption is that the only way to have a full life is to cram it full. The only way to have a full life is to cram it full. I'm very sure that all of us one of the, the answers we give when people say, how are you, 
if you're older than 12 or 15, we'll just say good. We often say busy. The other one is tired. But busy often comes up. How are you? I'm busy. It's our new identity. And some way, in some strange way, it gives us a sense of importance. Somewhere deep down under, we feel I'm pretty important if I'm busy. And sometimes we look over at the other person over there who might be sitting back, relaxing, or taking their day off, or, or saying I'm stopping work at five because I need to. And we kind of go, oh, they're a bit lazy. I'm better than them. I'm busier. We're so busy, we fill our days and we pack it in. And this technology doesn't just fill our days. In fact, it fills our minutes. It fills our minutes. You know, the impulse is not hard to understand. Our lives are just completely uh, on this particular device, which a lot of us have. Everything is running on this device. Our emails, our communication, our social media, our pictures, our, our, our workouts, our shopping lists, um, all sorts of our due assignments, they all run on this device. So there's, there's good reason that this becomes part of our busyness of our day. You know, we can have just two or three minutes. And when I, was, when I had to prepare this, I was thinking, I'll prepare this for myself and then I'll share it with everybody else because I'm as guilty as guilty in this space. So it's been a challenge for me. Um, you know, just two minutes, you're sitting and we pull out the device. We pull it out because, well, you think about it, you're waiting at the doctor or the TV's going already. You're waiting for your class to start and the teacher's not noticing. Or you're waiting for the class to end. Um, waiting at traffic lights. Uh, maybe you're waiting for your parents to get ready. Come on, mum and dad. Or waiting to pick up the kids. Oh my goodness, it's a long trip in the car. It's going to be more than five minutes. Can I take my device, mum? Sometimes it's not even waiting. Sometimes it's few things at once, you know. It's like um, in driving and you make a call. And um, I just do that all the time. As soon as I get in the car, who can I call? Oh, just what is. In the house, cleaning or in the shed working, TV's on. Doing your homework, got YouTube there, Instagram there, Snapchat there. Apparently the generation can do that. They can do five things at once and they're all running. <coughs> Maybe on the toilet doing your emails. You know, we multitask with these devices. Even when we have a few minutes, we just pick it up. We flick on the TV. We pop in a video game. We surf the, U the internet or YouTube. We fill every moment. It's crammed full. Not just the days, but even the minutes. Even the minutes. And so we live with this false assumption that the only way to have a full life is to cram it really full. But the reality is, is when we're busy... Busy is actually a distraction from what is truly meaningful. Busy is actually 
a number of things that can fit in for each of us at different, different times. Busy can be actually an escape. It can be an escape from what we just don't want to think about or we don't want to deal with. Busy can be a distraction from hard work. I'm super, super guilty on that. I'll clean the floor. I'll make the bed. I'll put on a load of washing when I have to do something I really don't want to do, like cooking dinner. <coughs> it can be an avoidance from a relationship. I don't really want to talk to that person, but I'm looking busy. Um, it can also be an avoidance on God's call on our lives, on what God's speaking into your life, but for some reason you're hesitant and you're holding back. So if I'm just busy, I'll just block it out. I can't fit it in, God. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I read this quote and I kept it and then I lost where I found it from without reference. So it's an unknown quote. So it says this, we run away from consciousness, we run away like conscientious little bugs, scared rabbits, dancing attendants on our machines, our slaves, our masters, clicking, scrolling, tapping, liking, sharing, anything. We think we want peace and silence, but deep down we know that this will be unendurable to us. In fact, we want to, com- to complexify our lives. We don't have to, we want to. We want to be harried and hassled and busy. Unconsciously, we want the very thing we complain about. For if we had time, we would look at ourselves and listen to our hearts and see the, the great gaping hole in our hearts and be terrified because that hole is so big that nothing but God can fill it. In that passage that we read, the start of that passage that we read from Ephesians 5, it says that we have to watch what God does and then do that. And God loved. And God gave. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. He said, love like that. He challenges us and says, you groped your way through murk. But now you're out of that. He wants us to use our time and our our space and not cram it so much full but to work out what pleases Christ and then do that. You see, God loved people. God gave time to others. God rested and God fulfilled his mission. When you think about Jesus' life, it was a busy life. He had people around him. He healed. He taught. There were crowds. He went from one town to the next. But he also took time out. He also rested. He also prayed. He also enjoyed time with a handful of friends. He slowed down because he needed to slow down to keep what was important to the focus. You know, devices and technology, they're certainly not evil, but they're not God. They're not our Lord and they're not our Master. So we can actually set them aside. And it's hard, isn't it? It's hard for all of us at the dinner table. Set them aside. In the car, set them aside. Recently, I was reading a little devotional and it actually said, take a 10-minute challenge. A 10-minute challenge just to sit. 
do nothing. Don't think about what you have to do, your job list, just sit. I got to five minutes and I was like, boom, oh, I need to do this. I'll just grab my phone, like, just automatically comes, so quick. Ten minutes doesn't seem long, but it felt like an eternity and I couldn't do it. I couldn't do ten minutes without my mind heading off onto a to-do list or wanting to grab my phone. The more we tune in with God's word, in fact, the less busy we will be and we'll focus on what is most important. For us, it's time to be less crammed full. Less desire to cram every single minute with screen time or double up doing twice with the wooden spoon in one hand or the steering wheel or the homework in another. God wants us to slow down. He wants us to be still. He wants us to be quiet because then we'll find true rest. And, you know, more than ever, we need a rest from technology. For us in this space, as Seventh-day Adventist Church, we, we call this day Sabbath. So it's a biblical term and it means rest. And sometimes we need a Sabbath rest from this as well. Because, you know, sometimes we actually think when we go on here, we're taking a rest. I'll sit down in front of TV and take a rest. I'll play some games and have a break and take a rest. But in fact, it's not a rest at all. We actually miss out on the true rest. So we need to quiet our hearts. Take time to look into the eyes of the people we love. Consider our mission. Find rest and God will speak into us. We don't need to cram our lives full to have a full life. The second assumption is this. With the right device, I will save time. I will save so much time. Now, it's true to some degree. I know that if I need to communicate with a lot of people, I send one email or one messenger message and poof, there it goes. I didn't have to make 10 phone calls or 100 phone calls um, to make that happen. And that is so, that is so helpful. And yet, generally in our assumption, we think if we have the right gadget or the new gadget that comes out, we'll have so much time. We envisage sitting on our deck chair, you know, drinking some really nice drink and just watching the sunset. But we all know how far the reality seems to be from that. The more of these we've had, the less time we seem to have. And it's that little thing that talks about in, in research that these things uh, medically, they, they're, they're addictive. They spark something nice inside of us. And so when you say, I'll just jump onto Snapchat for five minutes or Facebook, how often is it five minutes? Well, for me, I'll just do this just before I have to make dinner and half an hour could have passed just like that. Or I'll just sit on the lounge for five minutes while I fold these clothes and then that TV show has got me and I'm there for the next hour or two or three. Or my boys, we give them iPad time 
45 minutes. That's the number. Random number, isn't it? We put the timer on, on the, on the, on the, on the oven. 45 minutes to them feels like four to five minutes, not 45. I ask them to read a book for 45 minutes. It's like I'm chopping their head off. <laughs> but goes like that. 45 minutes whoosh, feels like four to five minutes. And the laptop, we'll just jump on there. I'm going to search out something. My thing at the moment is real estate. And, um, but Mark's computer, as soon as it comes up, it's got the news and all this thing. Oh, that looks interesting. Oh, and you go and read that article and then there's another little thread and you, you thread off and then after 10 minutes, like, oh, that's right. I was going to check real estate. Maybe it's just me, but that, that happens. And before you know it, doop, there goes half an hour, an hour or more. You know, there's those days where you have the to-do list or those evenings and you get to that point at the end of the day or the evening and you think to yourself, what happened? I didn't do anything I had planned to do. Somehow throughout the day, I've been distracted and my time has gone. Technology has this full aim to keep us connected. It's its strategy. It wants us to stay. And you'll see that now with websites. You just scroll and you can keep scrolling and you can keep clicking and there's another link and there's no end to it. You just keep going, keep going, keep going. C.S. Lewis wrote um, the lines of these th this thought in one of his books. Murder is no better than cards if cards will do the trick. Instead, Oh, sorry. Indeed, the safest road to destruction is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. See, our technology is good. Not saying it's all bad, but it's subtle. It's subtle. C.S. Lewis didn't have these devices in his day. Cards did the trick. But imagine if we could see these things now, what he could write. We can easily waste away our days. I know I do. I do waste a lot of time. And Paul wrote back in that Ephesian passage, Don't waste away your time on useless work, mere busy work, the barren pursuits of darkness. Expose these things for the sham that they are. It's a scandal when people waste their lives. So watch your step. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. When we think about our lives, um, we say people live a long life when they get to 70 or 80 or 90 or 100. And again, recently I was listening to, to a message and they actually said, we don't know a long life is only as long as you live. We don't know what our long... For someone who passes at 39, 37 was a long life. So we don't know what days we have. We don't know what we have, but we all have time. And God wants us not to waste it. You think about um, young people or any of us, and you ask people, what's the best part of your life? 
if you, you know, um, what I was reading, I was a, a man was saying that he'd interviewed all these young people at, at a youth conference and they'd had groups and stuff and they talked about what were the best parts of their, what was the best memories they had. And he said, none of them said, oh, when I checked that thing on Facebook or when I saw that picture on Snapchat or when I played that video game. The best memories were memories connected to people. And so when we use and waste our time, it's a tragedy. It's actually a tragedy. And in reality, the aim is not even to save time. Not sure what that means. It is to invest our time. Invest our time in the things that count, in the things that matter. We just talked about at the start, servolution. You know, God has made us for much, much more. So we are most satisfied, actually, when we're doing God's will, when we're building a relationship with him and with others. That's much more satisfying. I don't know how you feel, but I do feel when I've whiled away a lot of time on one of these and finally get myself up, I don't usually feel energized. I usually feel depleted. I don't really feel excited about life and, um, and thinking I've just used my time real well. Usually I feel like I've actually been distracted and wasted my time. So that assumption is false. Having that new gadget, having that new device won't always save us time. The last assumption is this. Having access to information equates to learning and wisdom. And I thought that was interesting because this is what some of you guys have kids and you're wondering what they're doing right now. Well, in 252, which is the primary age group, this is their take-home point this month. Their take-home point is that information is not wisdom. They're talking about wisdom. And it's interesting that it came up in, in my reading that having information does not equate to learning and wisdom, that we have this false assumption. And I don't know about you guys, I don't have Siri or you have Google, but, you know, how many of you say, hey, Google, how far is it to the moon? Or, hey, Siri, um, how many M&M colors are there? Or whatever. And Siri pipes up, Google pipes up, um, fantastic, isn't it? Um, it's so good to be able to get that information just at the drop of a hat. And it's interesting that um, this phone here, they called it a smartphone. A smartphone, because that's what it is. It's smart, not me. It's smart. It has all the information. It's brilliant advertising, because who doesn't want to be smart? Together we're smart. But the reality is, is the, knowledge, the information that we have is actually reducing our knowledge. So you think about how many phone numbers in your phone do you know off by heart? How many could you memorize? And some of us who are older before these things would probably think back to probably thinking, actually, I probably knew more people's numbers off by heart before I had one of these than since I've had one. And that is actually a systematic issue, it's, it's an, and it's a larger issue than that when it comes to us as growing Christians. 
because we can end up relying on this information and not learning and drawing that knowledge and wisdom and implanting it inside of ourselves. You see, with a click and a flick, we can get any Bible verse, we can get lots of information about the Bible, about God, devotional material, and we don't have to think about it. We don't have to memorize it. It doesn't have to be something that flows out of us easily. It's not implanted and embedded because, well, I'll just flick here and I'll find it straight away. So culturally, we have greater and greater access into information, but less and less true learning and wisdom that's deep down in our souls. So Paul finishes off in this passage. Don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. If we ask ourselves, if I was stranded without this, if I did not have that device or any of those devices, what resources would I have in my heart to sustain me? A professor posed this question to his uni students, who am I without Google? What off-the-cuff things have we memorised that would be planted in our lives without Google? In fact, we know God best. We know God best when we don't need to look up scripture or a verse. We know best. We know God best when it just is known, when it comes, when God can literally pull it up out from inside of us without us having to reach out over here. Not to say that's a bad thing. I'm not saying don't do that. We all do that. I do it all the time. But the challenge that we have is this information, instead of letting it become part of us, it sits aside from us and doesn't sit in us. God's word as as growing Christians, as people of faith, as people who want to be followers or disciples of Jesus, we are challenged with technology to sometimes we need to put it aside and go back to the old school and memorize and learn and let it soak and marinate inside of us so that we can let it just bubble out when you're sitting with a friend somewhere and it just comes out. It's not like, oh, by the way, just a minute. Or if we're sitting in our own quiet space that night in bed and we don't have to reach over and just go, but it just comes. It just comes. And I think, and I say this to my kids, and, and that at, at I think at 10 to 12, your brain is the ripest space for memorization. And I think back to when I was young and I was challenged to memorize some scripture, that often the verses that come back to me, often the words of Christ that come back to me are those words from when I was young. So if you do have young children, you know, encourage them and be a part of them to memorize. Have a little cards in your car. Use um, little stickers on the toilet door. Do what you can to help them memorize because those will stick or else they will just be completely removed from that and only rely on that to be able to have that in their life. 
and it's not too late for us to memorize. My dad, he retired in 2003. Where did he live? 15 years ago. And <coughs> one holiday he was on with my uncle, who's a fisherman, and my uncle, they were sitting around the fire fishing out south of Warwick, and he... Um, he um, recited, my uncle recited, The Man from Snowy River, the poem, the full poem. And my dad was so impressed. And that sparked something in my dad. He's like, I'm going to memorize that. So he did. And then he memorized another poem and another poem and another poem. And then he decided he would start memorizing scripture. And now he's memorized, uh, he's memorized all the book of James. He knows it all. If I could stand up here and just say it. He's memorizing Psalms 119 at the moment and he's memorized another book and I just can't remember what it is. But he, he's 80 and he's memorizing. So we're not too old. I'll get him up here one day and I'll let, you, I'll let him expand the word, share it to you, like they did in their Bible. They stood up and spoke the word. So you don't have to be 10 to 12 to memorize scripture never too old I was reading there's a resource called the next story um, and I read a bit of his material in preparation from this and he writes this all of this technology is reshaping us we, we lose our ability to engage in deeper ways of thinking concentrated focused thought that requires time and cannot be rushed instead of focusing our efforts in a few directions we give scant attention to many things skimming instead of studying. We live rushed lives and forget how to move slowly, carefully and thoughtfully through life. The challenge facing us is clear. We need to relearn how to think and we need to discipline ourselves to think deeply, conquering the distractions in our lives so that we can live deeply. Ephesians 4 finished off, uh, 5 finished off in that little passage. I didn't put it back up on the screen, but it actually said, sing songs praise and celebrate. Um, technology is not all evil and um, there's a lot of good about that. And life is not all serious. We don't have to have no leisure time. God wants us to celebrate. God wants us to have a great time. God wants us to, to reflect on his goodness and be joyful about that. And he wants us to, we can use this to do that too. But he doesn't want us to be zombies that are zoned out of life, that are just zoned into our screens and out of life. He wants us to enjoy life to the full. And he wants us to have rest. And he wants us to live out our calling. He wants us to be learned and wise. So my challenge for you today is this, that technology is not evil. But it can lead us astray. It is not our master. And we need to take steps. Do a technology audit on yourself and your family. Weigh up. How am I using my time? And what I'd like you to do is to focus, not on your screens, but be challenged to focus on Jesus. On loving him, on loving others as he did. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, you've gifted our minds amazingly. We are creative beings because we're made in your image. 
And amazing people have made technology. It's part of our families. It's part of our lives, God, and we can use that for amazing good. Lord, please help it not to be our master. Please help it not to be our Lord. Please help it not draw us away from you, God. Please help it not to draw us away from our friends and our families. Please help it not to distract us, God, from our calling that you've called us to. Help us to use our time, Lord, in the way that you would want us to, Lord. Help us to use this technology, God, to be uplifting and encouraging, bringing people together in positive ways. God, thank you so much that you're a God who loves us and that you are with us. As the scripture read this morning, above all gods, you are a God of love. And we just pray that we can be those people for you here on this earth in this time and space too. In Jesus' name, amen.